What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. And this is Dan Baer's interview with the director and writer for Up and Age, Goran Stilevsky. I remember growing up, I was convinced I'd travel the world, just meet these mind-blowing people, connect. Jesus, you're like 11. 19 in like three weeks. Are you jaded yet? Are you jaded? Shut up. You're like my sister, is that it? Ew. Ew. No, but we're more like really good friends. Yeah, but he's tight. Nights out with boys. I was not out with boys, I was with Cole. Cole is not boys. Oh, I know she can be like a mess, but I don't really have any other friends. You gotta play off the dramatic Daniel. Is this actually a dance costume? Sporting some serious cleavage. What's all this? So my ex is stuck. <laughs> Your ex is gonna kill me. Oh, chill. He won't. What's going on? That's my going away dinner. I need fine. Tomorrow. South America. Come on. You probably just want to get to bed. He was gonna go for a drive. Can I come? to your door. Promise me I'll meet someone. It's a beautiful boy. What are the odds? We'll both be arriving right now. I'm a bitter old man these days. Shut up. Because for me, life, Florence, to this one feeling. Welcome everyone to the Next Best Picture podcast, where we are talking with the writer and director of Of an Age, Goran Stolevsky. Goran, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you and where are you these days? Yeah, thank you for having me, sir. I'm in I'm in LA uh, this week. Um, flying back to Sydney on Wednesday to open the Mardi Gras Film Festival with this film, which is going to be fun. But usually, I'm in Melbourne, but in Australia. That's fantastic. The journey of this film it's sort of kept going since premiering at the Melbourne International Film Festival last August, where it also played in the same festival with your debut feature, uh, "You Won't mm-hmm. Be Alone." What was that like, having two films in the same festival? <laughs> well, I mean, it was insanity for multiple reasons, you know, probably just logistics and how much alcohol one can consume in, in <laughs> you know, a very limited period of time. But um, look, I actually grew up um, going to Melbourne Film Festival. You know, I, I snuck out of high school in my final year uh, to go watch those films like 
in of an age when the main character is running past those power lines um it's pretty much as close as i've ever come to you know reenacting something from my life i don't care uh you know i care for ballroom dancing myself i even on a dance floor i'm in a nightclub i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a car wreck so, so i'm i wasn't running to get to a dance i was running to get to isabelle pair because as know, one should Time of the wolf was only playing that one time one night at the melbourne film festival and like if i missed it if i didn't get it to the train <laughs> you know i was it, I was never going to see it again. And I can't, I can't live without it. I see Isabelle Pair. Of course. So, yeah. <laughs> so to be, you know, in this institution with two films later on, including like, you know, it opened the festival as well. Um, yeah, it was an out-of-body experience, genuinely. You know, my life has peaked. I wonder, you know, how anything ever comes up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure it hasn't yet. <laughs> but, you know, You Won't Be Alone premiered at Sundance earlier that year. Um, and then eight months later, of an age premieres. What was the timeline like between filming those post-production? How did you have any time in between? Um, oh, well, we finished the sound mix for You Won't Be Alone approximately on July 26th, uh, 2021. Mm-hmm. And we started, the, I had my casting meeting for of an age that following morning on July 27th. <laughs> Oh yeah, I went um, right into it. And then I finished of an age on May 18th this year. And I remember because I remember I had a May 19th flight to Macedonia to land on the 20th and start auditions for my third feature, which I just finished editing. So no, there has not been a break. And I'm really really happy about that. I'm I'm terrified of what happens afterwards because like how do I live unless I have like a feature film shoot to stress about in the near future. <laughs> I'm sure that you'll find plenty of other things in life to stress about as time goes on. Where I'm but... looking, where is it? I need it. <laughs> okay, so getting down to Of an Age specifically, I'm wondering where the title came from. It's something that I sort of recognize as a phrase, but I didn't find it really in stand out in the dialogue of the film but and i think it you know it kind of plays into a little coming of age narrative but i'm wondering if you could talk about where that that title came from well part of it is about that being of a certain age uh you know feelings hit you you know harder way when you're 17 than they do at other ages like what what um feelings and love and romance and sex do to you when you are of of a certain age uh, so the title is partly about that. Partly it's just like a pretentious way to phrase something, as in of an age, of mortality, of being in time, which hits, uh, uh, clicks with the main character's perception of how one needs to present oneself as way more intellectual than one is. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's a play play on that. Um, and also, you know, uh, a lot of the film is about, again, how you experience feelings of different t- times in your life. Uh, because we jump forward 11 years and then he's of of an age again where he processes things differently. And also a lot of the film being set in the 90s and me having the horrific, uh, you know, blood-curdling realization that the 90s are now, you know, 23 years ago uh, and realizing that is an age in the past tense. It's I'm apparently making a period film, you know, <laughs> apparently well into my thirties and almost forty. And how did that happen? But that's more about me and my future therapist. <laughs> so I probably should be burdening you with that. <laughs> Being about the same age, uh, yeah, it's it's weird to realize that you're 
your younger days are now a generation away. It's very strange. I mean, I feel like I actually started a sentence with young people these days, the other day. Like, I, I can't. I can't deal with yes. this. <laughs> like, I wish I had a lawn so that I could say, get off my lawn. <laughs> oh, my God. For sure. <laughs> and an affordable lawn to make sure they can get off it. I can keep a certain distance from certain yes. people. Yes. <laughs> me. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Actually, both this film and You Won't Be Alone, they have a really fantastic palpable sense of place. You are of Macedonian descent, which is where uh, You Are Not Alone takes place. Grew up mostly in Melbourne, where Of an Age takes place. How, as a writer, and as a director, I think in some ways, how do you go about finding that truth in the in your settings? How do you go about translating what you know in your body and in your memories to what we see on film? I think it's actually, um, to be honest, it, it's more a matter of like, like before I even make, made a feature, you know, for 20 years, I was making short films and I made 25 of them. And most of them were like, you know, DIY exercises with my camcorder and a <laughs> bunch of random acquaintances who were willing to be on camera, you know? And no money and I'm the whole crew. So how do you try to make something cinematic and worth someone else's time uh, and visually interesting? So I used to spend a long time uh, for every short film, scouting locations and going around and looking for places that I felt had a visual personality. And even in the way that mm. I engaged with places, like from the moment I migrated to Australia, I just have this, it's, I, you know, it's, I'm sure it's entirely inside my head, but certain places give me a feeling of, you know, emptiness or certain places give me a feeling of like, mm -hmm. this is where a lot of life has taken place and so on and so forth. So I'm like hypersensitive to it in a way that isn't always helpful. Um, and then that's what's driving me now. So again, there was a lot of care taken for on both of these films of which locations we're going to work with um, because I don't like working with sets. I, um, mm. I, I, I like a documentary style of filmmaking, even for drama. And trying to create like a 360 degree space so the actors kind of have freedom to move around it and we figure out things in terms of the camera and the lighting so that they have the flexibility but we don't have to sacrifice like the visual quality of it um maddie c the cinematographer always knows how to set himself so the film the image is cinematic you know and transporting but the actors are the you know the the feelings of the characters are always what we're shaping everything around and then you try to pick out pick out certain details to give that sense of place as much as possible and don't really cut away to um random shots because they might just look pretty or not like every shot in the film needs to you need to feel like i think a viewer needs to feel emotionally connected to and you know i don't have just close-up cutaways of things because they're kind of cool or cute like I, I, I wish i did sometimes there was a couple of shots i wish that we had in the film in terms of especially the 90s nostalgia vibe mm -hmm. you know but like i think uh, when you, if I did that, like the connection would snap between the viewer and and the characters, and it, it just becomes a shot of arbitrary objects. Uh, whereas mm -hmm. if you're still in that emotional space of what the characters are going through, every object and every surface ha has its own kind of um, you know texture, and it hits you in a different way. And it's not about it being pretty or photogenic or anything. It's about you you feel it more vividly. I think. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, totally. Um, it does have that sense. And coming at everything from thinking how the characters are interacting with it, I think that helps two of these lead characters and of an age, both Cole and Adam, they feel so specific and so alive. And especially when they come together, the the chemistry between um, them is whew, it, it is palpable. You can feel it uh, through the screen. Um, and I'm wondering, did your actors have that naturally, or did you have to work with them in some way to to get that to come across? What did both naturally have, uh, both as people and as actors, is just um, you know from the moment they met, there was each of them kind of. It wasn't like at my prompting or, you know, I don't think it's an, even an intellectual process, but each of them was kind of like so invested in making sure the other guy always felt really safe and appreciated and respected. So that there was just, you know, I think a lot of the time uh, that that's the only difference between whether someone shuts down or is open to you. If you feel that uh, if you find an openness in another person, you just feel like, OK, he's looking out for me as much as I'm looking out for him, you know, um, as a mutual understanding. And I think rehearsals for us were just like hanging out and talking for some general shit about you know life but also um I, I would go through the script but only just to kind of explain what i was thinking when i wrote every single line and you know to explain to them that you're you don't have to say any of these lines that feels wrong or false um so the actors had this sense of like freedom creatively i think and then you know, they had each other to engage with and both of them, like the qualities I looked for in casting was again, that openness and the way, like the way Tom, I saw Tom Green in a clip from a film called, uh, another queer film called Downriver, mm-hmm. where he just gets, uh, rides a bike, gets off it, walks into a store and looks at someone. And it was genuinely like, you know, it's like Fred Astaire with a hat rack. When, when, you know, Tom Green looks at something, it takes on a personality on a vividness, like, you know, because uh, when he's looking, it's not he's not putting on his selfie face, you know, or, or thinking what he looks like, or or he's not trying to present a persona. He's genuinely in the moment and actually engaging with what's in front of him and around him and who's in front of him. And uh, you know, with Elias, it was a similar thing. Where I felt like he wasn't doing the selfie face. He was literally trying to kind of in in his audition, like with the per- person he was talking to, trying to find something in them to connect to. And I think if you have that energy coming from both directions, it's really hard to not have chemistry. Um, and also, you know, just while I was shooting, uh, I was often running two cameras uh, as much as I could on a limited budget, just because there was a rhythm that would kind of emerge that like it's impossible to kind of keep up with multiple takes in a natural way. Um, but there was all these moments and glances that, you know, normally it would be hard to um, cut into a film. Uh, but because we got them, on both both ends with both Tom and Elias, um, it was a gift in the edit room because I'm often like editing in my head while I'm shooting. And, you know, it's about how you place images next to each other, whether chemistry happens or not as well on the film. On set, it's a different thing, obviously. But yeah, I think all of those ingredients 
Totally. Um, since we have time for one last question, um, I wanted to ask, you know, like thinking about the things that we've talked about, about the chemistry between the actors, about how you create this place that feels real and open and talking about the 90s being an age ago um, <laughs> leaves me with, you know, thinking about the mixtape in the film and the mention of Happy Together and the Wong Kar Wai influence around the whole thing. And I wanted to tell you too, because Happy Together is a film that, you know, when I grew up, you know, we're around the same age, it was something, and gay cinema in general was something that you really had to sort of seek out and like be told about really in order to even find it, depending on where you lived. These days, it feels much more accessible in the way that sort of all cinema is more accessible, but it's still not quite that, you know, mainstream, you know, readily available to it's everyone. It's still apparently niche because I'm gay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. The so, feelings couldn't possibly be universal, you know, like, yeah. Exactly. Which makes no sense. But yeah. so, um, how do you feel about the status of gay cinema in this current world and how do you feel about the accessibility of something like of an age to mm. young men, young gay people, regardless of gender, mm. who are of of an age? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, it's it's more accessible. You know, it's easier to find out about things to an extent. I mean, there's also like, obviously, now there's so much content out there that it's um, it's possible that something is accessible and you just don't know about it. And that's, it, it's, you know, how do you, how do we negotiate that? But I think it is different. I, I have been a little bit surprised uh, at how, again, like just I didn't realize my you know what makes me fall in love or what makes me horny is that niche to this day. I thought horniness and love were universal, no matter what shape and form they come in. One would think, yeah. <laughs> I yeah I, I I more in terms of like how the film is written about sometimes like it's almost like a polite condescending like you know you know it's a coming out story I'm like you know story about love and you know love feels at a certain age and then later on you know I think um I it's it's been moving to have audience uh, you know viewers come up to me at the end of screening sort of crying going you know how did you know my life story and inevitably it's a lot of gay men uh, thankfully of different ages. But also um, a lot of straight women uh, have come to me in tears, you know, and women in their 30s, in their 50s, in their 70s going, how did you know my life story? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can only tear up in return because, like, I feel so connected to someone else through that. And I really, to me, um, with this film, I'm just like, I think you do have a different electric, electric current running through you when you're watching it if you are a queer person. Um, I don't think... It's going to be the same experience for a straight, and I, I'm not talking about you know better or worse, or like, but right. just just different. I do think it's different, but I also think, um, I mean, I'm glad it's accessible to other people, but I also think like I really hope a queer person watches it, going, it is a film for me and also a, a universal love story because the love I feel is not just niche; it's also universal. It's highly specific to me, but everyone's love is highly fucking specific to them. You know, um, it doesn't yes. make it less universal there's no contradiction in terms between those two things and yeah and there you have it <laughs> koran thank you so much for joining us to talk about of an age so glad that the movie is finally being released so that everyone can can see it and enjoy and feel that that electricity that you were talking about 
Thanks, man. I hope, I hope they do. I hope a lot of them do. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Dan Bear's interview with the writer and director for Of An Age, Goran Stalevsky, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Of An Age is currently playing in theaters right now from Focus Features. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. magazine advertising mascots b movie posters and cartoons oh yeah can't forget cartoons if you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together you'll dig two designers walk into a bar see we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars hey you know the place the sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies so join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com and listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.